0: Welcome to the Sunday morning worship service Lakeway Baptist Church in Humble, Texas. We're delighted that each one of you have chosen to worship with us this morning and as you've already figured out this is no doubt the most unusual Easter service we've ever had. For the first time we are at least to some great degree unable to assemble together as we normally do and we're so thankful that we have the means that we can conduct this service online. Those that cannot be here for whatever reason that they're able to tune in and to study the Word of God with us. Uh, Easter couldn't come at, at a better time, really. We're living in this troubled world and we are come face to face with challenges that are far beyond what what we're able to contend with. And so if there was ever a time that we needed a word of encouragement and infusion of power and a reason to hope and the assurance of victory, it's today. And and it's my prayer that you'll find exactly what you need in the service today. I'm going to have Brother Preston to come and to lead us in a word of prayer. And right after that, Uh, I want you to worship along with us in song as we're blessed by special music. So uh, stay tuned and uh, worship as we uh, worship the Lord and praise him this morning in music.
1: Let us pray. Father God, we do come before your presence this morning. We want to thank you for who you are, for your goodness, Lord. We want to thank you that though we look around at this world and we look at the condition and things that are happening, we know that you are in control. Lord, I thank you for your precious sacrifice on the cross at Calvary, how Jesus died for us, was buried and showing your satisfaction and approval for the forgiveness of sin of all mankind. He arose. He was raised from the grave. And offers eternal life to all, Lord. We thank you for a victory in Jesus Christ that's eternal that we can celebrate today, Lord. I thank you for being able to uh, praise you through song. And for those who are going to sing praises to your name. For the word that is going to be brought as our pastor brings it, dear God. And Lord, for lost souls that could be listening in this morning, Lord, that... They might know your pardon from sin and your forgiveness that comes through the precious Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. The city was Jerusalem. The time was long ago, the people called him Jesus, the crime was the love. Gave himself the day he wore my
3: crown.
2: He brought me love that only he could give. I brought him cost to cry and though he taught me how to live I taught him how to die and I'm the one I caused all the pain He gave
3: himself
2: The day he wore my crown He could have called Take me away Please take me away He couldn't say I'm not guilty And I'm not gonna stay oh, I'm not gonna pay But he walked Right through the gate And then on up the hill And as he fell beneath the weight He cried, Father, not my will And I'm the one to blame, I caused all the pain he gave himself the day he wore.
0: First sinned in the garden, he pulled a curse down upon the earth, and all of a sudden, the beautiful paradise was transformed into something different than ever before. All of a sudden, because of the curse, it put fury in the beast and venom in the serpent, and of course, thorns on the roses and those thorns represent the curse that is upon mankind. And because of Christ, thank God, he became a curse for us. I want you to listen as Kirsten and Kaylee sing about this great love of his as they come and sing just now. And I trust your heart will be blessed. Open your Bibles this morning, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll have another song a bit later at the end of the message, and I hope you'll you'll stay tuned if you're listening online. I know it'll be a blessing to your heart. As Paul nears the end of his letter to the troubled church at Corinth, all of a sudden he shifts his focus from their difficulties to their delight. And uh, of all of the different subjects that Paul could have considered, I don't think any could be more glorious than what he speaks of here in this chapter. It begins with the glorious gospel itself, and then it concludes with a challenge for God's people to continue in the work of the Lord. In between those two things. He speaks about the Lord's resurrection and how it relates to both, both the gospel and both our service as the children of God. And out of all of the tremendous truths that we could discuss this morning, I want you to focus with me on verse number 20. Paul says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. Sometimes you know from the beginning that you're going to fail before you start. If I set out to climb the highest mountain or swim the widest sea, I know at the very beginning that I'm going to fail. And that's the way I feel about my message this morning because. As I try to remind you of the glorious resurrection of Christ, I know my best effort is not going to be enough to capture the importance of that event. There's just no way that I could ever explain to you how crucial it is that we understand the place, the importance of the resurrection of Christ. It's just too wonderful for words. Thankfully, it's not my job to tell you what I think about the resurrection. My duty is just simply to report what God has said about it. And I or anyone else that has a Bible in their hand can do the same thing. And that's really all that needs to be said about it because the resurrection speaks for itself. It doesn't need to be embellished by all of our complicated words and high-sounding phrases and long speeches because we can't do anything better than to speak that which God has already spoken. As I said before, I don't think Easter this year could come at a better time than what it is. As you know, that our nation, in fact even the world, is so greatly troubled as a result of this virus. It has complicated this matter of simply trying to live and get by and enjoy life because all of a sudden we're dealing with issues that, well, that we never dreamed of. And people going through heartbreak and difficulties that they never imagined and wondering how in the world... Can I possibly survive something like this? So when we look at the resurrection of Christ, suddenly we have a reminder of the greatness of God's power and his ability that regardless of the circumstances, that we serve a God who is able. So with that in mind, I want you to focus with me this morning on the glorious truth of the Lord's resurrection, because circumstances do not change the fact that the resurrection of Christ gives us a reason to rejoice. So I'm not going to tell you what I think about it. I'm not going to tell you what I've heard about it. I'm going to tell you what I know is true. And I know it's true because of what God's word says about it. There are four things I want you to remember. Number one the resurrection of Christ is a fact. It is a fact. Paul says here in our text, but now is Christ risen. Now Christ is. Doesn't say that he will be, might be, but he is. It's a, it's a fact. It's a done deal. And whenever it comes to spiritual things, it's crucial that we know the facts because we can't rely on what we think we can't rely on how we feel about a matter we can't rely on what we've heard about something because things are not always as they appear to be we live in a confused world and deception is a common thing we uh, all the time hear things that are not factual it might be the fake news that we hear from the media it could be the the report of the so-called scholars in the universities it could be the research of scientists some that would conclude that there is no god just a big bang and all of a sudden everything magically appeared most sadly it might even be from the pulpit of many churches people that that who pretend to be spokesmen for God, who take the Bible, twist the Bible, pervert the Bible, and make it appear as though our Christ lived a defeated life and died a needless death. Thank God when it comes to the resurrection, we have plenty of proof to be assured that it really happened. It is a fact. We think of all of the major doctrines of the Bible And every single doctrine of the Bible has been attacked by Satan. Over and over again, he's used every weapon in his arsenal trying to discredit those glorious doctrines. But I can't think of any doctrine that has been attacked to the extent as the resurrection of Christ. Think about it. Whenever we imagine, when we try to picture in our mind what took place, it is something that is beyond our understanding. We can't even begin to comprehend how that out of death life could spring up. Well, we're not the only ones that, you know, that might think that way. There have been others that have proposed these false theories about what might have happened. There are those that there's the fraud theory that claims the disciples stole the body and then concocted some story uh, that uh, that the Lord had resurrected. Well, that really can't be true because, number one, the tomb was, was being guarded by Roman soldiers. Not only that, but how in the world would they gain anything by just pretending that he was alive? The disciples, you know, they... They're not going to be willing to die for something that they know is a lie, and so that theory is not going to hold any water. But then there's the swoon theory, and the swoon theory has to do with the fact that our Lord, through the great, great suffering he went through, that uh, that that they thought he was dead, but then they put his body in the in the tomb, and the cool air of the tomb revived him, and it appeared that he had come to life. So the frog theory holds no water, the swoon theory holds no water, and then there's this matter of uh, the vision. So desired for the Lord to be resurrected that they just imagined that it happened, that it's all based on their hallucination. They just dreamed it up and wanted to believe it so bad that they convinced themselves that it's true. So none of those theories hold any water. They, they don't even make common sense. The factual truths are these. Number one, the tomb was empty. There's no way to explain that away. The tomb was empty and the Lord appeared over and over again. He appeared to his followers and we have a record of that on one occasion to over 500 brethren. And then at the very end, he appeared to the 11 and gave them their final instruction. So that is a fact. Another fact is the fact that the disciples were changed. Imagine when the Lord was crucified and the Lord had already warned them, you're going to be hated and despised. You're going to be even killed. So they... They knew according to what the Lord had prophesied that this was going to happen. And so they know that they've got a rough road ahead and and their lives are in jeopardy. And yet all of a sudden they're willing to risk their very life. Those that had been cowardly become courageous and those that had been downcast are now feared with joy and they're willing to die for the cause of Christ. You don't you don't uh, have that mindset if you know that it is uh, is a big lie that has been made up but you know the the best evidence of all is the fact that god promised god gave his word that's that's all we should really need god said it happened we we don't need all of this evidence god can't lie god said his son was raised up from the grave And that ought to settle it for each and every one of us. So the resurrection is a fact, a fact that we can depend upon. But not only is it a fact, it is a factor. You see, a lot of times facts are not necessarily factors by that. I mean, something can be factual without being of great importance. There's nothing significant about it. But when we come to the resurrection of Christ, we see that it is significant in a lot of different ways. It's significant in the first place because it declares that Jesus is the Son of God. In Romans chapter number 1 in verse 3 and verse 4, Paul states that emphatically that he was declared to be the Son of God. Now, there's no doubt about who Jesus claimed to be. That's, the record is clear. He, he claimed to be the Son of the living God. And he says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. So we know who Jesus claimed to be, and we know what the critics said about him. The critics said he's a liar. The critics said he is an imposter. The critics said he is insane, that he's demon-possessed. And you have to admit, he was either a liar or a lunatic or Lord. And, and I'm here to tell you, he's Lord. He's Lord. He did exactly what he said that he would do, affirming that he is who he claimed to be. So the resurrection is affirming these claims. It, you might say, it is heaven's amen to what jesus did when he arose from the grave it declares him to be the son of god secondly it demonstrates the power of god many folks today especially have have questioned they've set in judgment of god's power because there are those that are wringing their hands worried about what the future holds there are those that find themselves in a dilemma they don't know how to solve there are questions that they can't answer and problems that they can't, can't possibly solve. And they're, they're wondering, uh, you know, is God able? Does God really care? And believe me, there are folks that although they won't come out and say something like that, within their heart, that is exactly how they feel. That they're being shortchanged by God. That God is holding back on them in some way. Oh, they realize God could, but they don't really believe that he would. You know, we can, we can call it anxiety, we can call it worry, but it all amounts to the fact that it is the kind of fear that the Bible forbids Christians to have. That fear that God might not meet our need. That's why that when we think of Easter and we think of the situation that we're in, it is so, so vital, so crucial that we remember that it was a demonstration of God's power. But beyond that, it also it delivers us from the wrath of God. You see, the resurrection is an integral part of the gospel itself. The gospel is about more than just the fact that Jesus died on the cross. That's an important part of it. We wouldn't have the good news without that fact. But there's more to it than that. Had Jesus been just been crucified and buried, and that was the end of the story, there'd be no hope for mankind whatsoever. Thank God it's because that after three days and three nights that he came up out of the grave and it's a proof that he is able able to exceed and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think able to deliver us from the wrath of god not only that the resurrection discharges the promises of God we think about all the things that God promised to do we go back through the ages to the ancient prophets we think about the virgin birth being prophesied and his death being predicted and all of those things and no doubt for generation after generation there were those who transmitted that truth down to the next generation and they would embrace it and then they would pass it on and you've got to wonder if not perhaps at some time there at a family gathering if some child might have raised the issue but daddy you know it's been 700 years 800 years since that promise was made and still the messiah hasn't come I mean, to the natural mind, it might have appeared that the Lord had failed to keep his promise. But when we look at the resurrection, we know that it it indeed is a fact. Jesus promised that he was going to be crucified, but he was also going to be raised up on the third day. It happened exactly like he said. And when we are overwhelmed by our troubles, whenever we are overcome by our fears, we need to think about that empty tomb. Don't be guilty of listening to the wrong people. Listen to what God has said about it. And I don't know of anything in the world more delightful to God's people than this fact. Matthew chapter 28, and the Lord just before he ascends back into heaven, and there he's meeting with his disciples and giving them their commission and, and and here we find the declaration given by the by the angel in regards to our Lord and said said that he is risen he is risen think of all of the three word declarations that You can think of. It was General Sherman that said war is hell. MacArthur said I shall return. Of course here in Texas we say remember the Alamo. But boy nothing, nothing in the world can match what was said there in verse 6 of Matthew 28. He is risen. He is risen. Thank God for that because that announcement was made at a time when when all seemed to be a loss to the disciples. I mean, all of a sudden they are heartbroken, they're fearful, they're depressed, they are confused. Nothing seemed to make any sense whatsoever because not only are they grieving over the terrible injustice that caused Jesus to suffer and die, they're troubled about their situation. I suspect you would be also. I mean after all the Lord said you will be hated, despised and persecuted. So they're wondering to themselves, how are we going to cope? How can we survive what lies ahead? But whenever they think about, when they think about that empty tomb, all of a sudden they're reminded that our God is able. They're in pain and they're perplexed, but then suddenly they hear those three words, he is risen. And that same truth also can transform our lives today. It can do the same for us that it did for them. It brought them great delight. It brought them, it brought them peace in their heart. Think about it. The resurrection, it affects us personally for one thing. You know, we talk about the fact that God so loved the world, and indeed He does. But God loves you. As an individual. And the death of Christ was not only for the sins of the world. The death of Christ. The price he paid. Was for you. For me. For each and every one of us. Personally. And so the resurrection and its part in the gospel. Affects each one of us personally. And certainly it's a pleasurable experience to know that we serve a risen Savior. Amen, because Amen. that gives us the assurance that whatever our need is, that we have a God that's bigger than that, we can face death without any fear. Amen. don't have to worry about that Paul said you know to to die is gain, so many times we look at it like it's well, that's the end of everything, but for the child of God, that's the glorious beginning. And knowing that Christ was raised from the dead enables us to face death without fear and endure hardships without fretting about it because we believe with all of our heart romans eight twenty eight all things work together for good to those who love the Lord are the called according to his purpose. We believe that we depend upon that. we rely upon that fact that and because of that we can endure whatever hardship comes our way. We can live in hope, knowing that one day, one day we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. Isn't it wonderful to live with the assurance that someday we're going to have a new body that is incorruptible? A new body that is likened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and that brings us to the next thing. Notice here, it says that he is, notice the first fruits. He is the first fruits. That means there's something more to follow. Here is the glorious fact that sometimes gets overlooked the resurrection of Christ is the first of that which is to come. Because just as He was resurrected, we're going to be resurrected from the grave. So, and Jesus is proving that that's true even before it happens. But we can live in the light of that fact. And then, fourthly, the resurrection of Christ is not just a fact and a factor, it's not just the first fruits but it is a force because sometimes we forget about how we are affected by the things that we believe. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In other words, the truth of God's word has an impact and effect upon us. And that's never, never more true than it is when we think about the resurrection of Christ. It brings us healing for the past. Because there couldn't be any redemption without the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is an essential part of the gospel of Christ, you see. Other than that, Paul said, if you examine those verses in 1 Corinthians 15, he said that we would be yet in our sins. Wouldn't that be horrible? to be yet in your sins he says that our faith would be vain that we would have embraced something that is of no value to us whatsoever he tells us that our preaching would be worthless our loved ones would have perished there would be no hope beyond the grave and then he wraps it up by saying and we are of all men most miserable Thank God Jesus arose from the grave providing us healing for the past and hope as our prospect in the future because we don't have to be frightened by the mysteries of life. We don't have to worry about what we don't know because what we do know is how it's going to end. We know that the best is yet to come, that one day... The Lord's going to come, and one day the dead in Christ are going to be raised, and one day we will forever be with the Lord. So there's healing for the past and hope for the prospect that we look toward, but then there's hope for the very present. In Philippians 3 and verse number 10, Paul spoke about that as he he expressed the great desire of his heart. And the desire of his heart was to be like Christ and to enter into into the fellowship of his suffering. It's as though Paul is saying, I'm willing to go through anything to endure any situation if I can just be more like Jesus. And he relates that to the resurrection of Christ. You see, the resurrection is more than a miracle to be admired. It's more than a message to be delivered. It, it is a force that has an effect upon our life. So this morning, on this Easter Sunday, as you think about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you think about the situation that your life is in and the circumstance that, you know, that, that our world is in, I want to conclude by saying at a time like this, we need a Savior like that. And he is the only one, the only one that can help us in our dilemma. The only one that can provide forgiveness for our sins. The only one that can change our conduct in any great way. The only one that can give us a hope for heaven. So whoever you are this morning, however hopeless you might feel, I want you to know there's hope in Christ. Over 50 years ago, on a Sunday morning, much like this, I was in the community Baptist Church in a little town called Willard, Missouri, just outside of Springfield. The message had been delivered, and I was standing there during the invitation, quaking with fear, dripping the pew in front of me, trying to resist doing what I know that I needed to know and a young preacher boy by the name of Jim he was a student at Baptist Bible College and he sang the invitation that morning and as as he as he sang the song which was a bit unusual because it was usually congregational singing but for some reason that morning he 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 sang the invitation and while he was singing And the pastor said, uh, if you'll just take that first step after that, the Lord will help you come the rest of the way. Now, I know he was speaking to the whole congregation, but it seemed like he was speaking directly to me. And I thought, well, it surely couldn't hurt to do that. And I just raised up one foot, and the next thing I know... I'm down there on my face before God, and at that moment, receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior. I mention that because the song that young man sang that morning was a new song written by written by a teenager named Mylon Lefevre, and that the name of that song was "Without Him." And Katie's going to come just now. And she's going to sing that song this morning. And I want you to think about where you are and where you will be without him. Without him, there's no forgiveness of sin. Without him, there's no acceptance with God. There's no salvation of the soul. There's no deliverance from hell. There's no hope of heaven. There's no assurance that you'll ever see your loved ones again. So listen carefully as Katie sings this morning and think about where you would be without him. Katie, come right ahead. service this morning. If you have any questions about Lakeway Lake Baptist Church, well, we invite you to go to our website, lakewaybaptist.org. If we can be of any help, please let us know. Until next time, may God bless each and every one of you, and we hope to see you either on the air or in the air or, or <laughs> together again. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.